This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my buddies. I've got Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. And you know, when you say you're Rich Bradbury, is it because you're a rich person or is it just short form for your name? Just rich by name, not by nature, unfortunately. Daniel. Okay, okay. I, just I checking. do apologise. Uh, <laughs> and of course, the other person who I'm joined with is Ali Johan. Hi, Ali. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Now, as usual, we have a show in three parts. We've got some stuff about Proton, Mercedes, Mitsubishi, Kia, even a bit of Ferrari in part one. Part two, we'll be discussing uh, some EV coupe crossover stuff. In part three, a used car guide, the Mitsubishi ASX compact crossover. What kind of news have you got for us today, Ali? Okay, news for this week. I think it seems like we might get a Proton electric car soon because the company Proton, they just issued a press release announcing their new business unit and it's called ProNet, which means Proton's new energy technology. And uh, this arm will be involved in the sales of electric vehicles and also the EV charging points. You know, this news comes weeks after they just said about a distributor agreement with smart cars uh, for all mm. the new smart one electric compact SUVs. So that's going to be arriving next year. And then now they announced ProNet, which is uh, a technology that they're working with Geely. It seems like Geely's sub-brand like Link & Co might be the car of choice uh, that they bring in here, which is going to be uh, what, Daniel, a, a cheap version of an electric car. Is that fair to say? Well, you know, we can't be for sure about this, but you know, Rumours has it that, you know, we already know that Proton has signed a distributorship agreement with uh, Smart One. Um, that will be coming and it will be under Proton and, you know, they will sell it in Malaysia and Thailand. But the funny thing is, Geely owns part of Smart, but Geely also owns Link & Co. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have seen the Link & Co cars being tested here. So maybe the Link & Co cars will come under this new ProNet business. Also, Geely themselves have electric cars under the Geely brand which mm. they did not bring here and did not uh, want to talk about as being rebadged as Proton. But maybe with ProNet, that could happen. Ooh, gossip. Yeah, mm. and you know, uh, this uh, announcement about ProNet uh, is also on Proton's part. They want to make a push towards addressing the high number of uh, used and recon electric cars currently being brought into the country. And these cars are without proper after-sales and warranty. Mm. So when yes, they, st- they yes. step in, they can uh, provide that kind of protection for new consumers. Uh, they're offering a full warranty in after sales. And especially with Geely's strong working relationship with, as we mentioned, Smart and also Volvo in electrified vehicles and battery technology, I think we can expect a reliable electric vehicle coming from this company, hopefully. Yes, of course, they don't like to talk about it. Geely owns Volvo and Volvo is already going full electric uh, with the start of the XC40 and then soon the C40, the crossover will be coming and then all the other models will be fully electric. Mm-hmm. So you'll have Volvo on one side, you'll have ProNet working their magic and then you'll have, uh, you know, maybe Polestar even coming in which is owned by Geely. So in terms of parts and maintenance and, you know, software technology and battery management, it could all go back to one source, Geely Group. Hey, wait, you, you say maybe Polestar? You say that as if you might know something, Daniel. You always hear it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you you know? I'll tell you this. What do you know? 
I'll tell you this. Polestar is being sold in Singapore under the Werns Group. Uh-huh. You've heard of Werns Automotive. There are yep, a lot of yep. brands in Singapore. They have a whole bunch of brands. In Malaysia, Werns does Konisak, which is a very specialized Expensive. hypercar. Yes. They do Bentley for the longest time. They do Aston Martin. So what's uh-huh. stopping them from doing Polestar? Interesting. Okay. Hmm. You heard it here first? All right, all right, all right. Well done, well done. More on the local front, Mercedes-Benz. First vehicle under their EQ brand uh, is set to arrive in Malaysia and it will be the EQ4 formatic. So they launched four different variants, right? The EQA, EQB, EQC and EQD. Yes, and the EQC is the one that everyone is talking about because A, it's an SUV. Everybody wants an SUV. Yes, you have the EQA, which is a compact SUV, but this is a full-size SUV. And if you think about it, at 388000 they just confirmed the price, 388000 It's formatic. It's got all the safety features you come to expect in the Mercedes-Benz. It's got MBUX and all that. So why would you buy a GLC petrol? Because same price. Hmm. 388 Okay, all right. What else have we got? Some other local headlines. We recently learned that Mitsubishi reported a milestone in terms of unit sales for their big pickup truck, the Triton. They've surpassed the 100,000 units mark. And mm-hmm. last year alone, uh, the robust Triton pickup truck maintained a very solid market share of 22%, you know, despite the pandemic. Um, and also competition from its rivals. But, um, you know, this big milestone, they just announced it, 100,000 units of Tritons in the country, Daniel. Yep, and can you imagine how much money they made and sent back to Japan? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> anyway, they're doing very well, especially in Sabah and Sarawak. The Triton sells really well. But mm. now, with a whole bunch of new pickup trucks in the market, we'll have to see what happens in the coming year. Um, another piece of news is uh, Kia. Kia, you know, we reported earlier about their first electric car entering Malaysia, the EV6. It's finally arrived. The keys um, were presented to Kia EV6 first owner just recently after they opened uh, the bookings in uh, June this year, actually. And um, it's about 300,000 electric car. And of course, you know, with many car orders, it suffered a bit of a delay for delivery due to the high global demand, especially for Kia EV6. But then a three months waiting time is not bad. Lah. Three months is not bad. But again, eh, this could change to four or five or six months because at the moment, this car is in huge demand in Taiwan, in Australia, in New Zealand. And sometimes people at the factory will say, hey, we'll give our bigger markets you yeah. know, more stock. So a lot of people in Malaysia want the EV6 because it's a good looking car. And I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed. I'm supposed to test drive it next week. Ooh, mm. let us know how that goes. Yeah. Yes, I will. Very excited about that. Um, not as excited about this next piece of news we've got in terms of global launches. Th- th- this one's a bit different, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it just happened yesterday. Um, mm. I'm not going to say anything because I can't pronounce the name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this has been uh, the most notable piece of news this week. Uh, Ferrari just unveiled their first four-door, four-seater SUV, which is the Puro Sangue. You now, sure you, you pronounce it the right way? I thought This is I the interesting thing, right? Yeah. So they said, please don't call it an SUV, didn't they? That's the thing. In the communication material, they call it a crossover. Some communication material, they call it an SUV. I look at it, it looks like a Mazda RX-8. Mm. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yes. It's a Mazda RX-8, man. The same doors, the ah. same profile. It's just got a Ferrari badge on it. 
Uh-huh. Now, what do we think about this then? I mean, it, okay, forget about the fact that it, we, we don't know the prices of it as of yet. Yeah, great. In, in terms of uh, looks, feel, vibe, what do you think? I'm not impressed. Oh, oh. I'm really oh. not impressed because I think Ferrari could have done a lot better starting with that suicide dose. I mean, it, it's nice on an RX-8, but not on a Ferrari. Right. We've seen it on the BMW i3. We've seen it on so many other cars before, but again, not on a Ferrari. And if Ferrari is going to go into the SUV or crossover market, produce a proper SUV or crossover that competes with the Cayenne or the Aston Martin DBX, not something like this. This is... Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, calling it an SUV or crossover is just wrong. It's a Porsche Panamera competitor. Uh-huh. It's the first SUV for the brand. They've been around 75 years and, you know, post-pandemic, they decided to jump on the SUV bandwagon. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, it just feels weird. A, a, a Ferrari four-door, four-seats? No, it just it, it doesn't sit well with me. But then again... Again, cool you know, I. the design, it, it, they should have done a lot more. I know, you know, Ferrari's got brilliant designers. I mean, look at the, the, the current crop of new Ferraris coming out. They are mm. so good-looking. But when you come out with something like this, you're just saying, hey, you know, I'm lazy. If Aston Martin can give you a gorgeous-looking DBX, if Porsche can still give you a gorgeous-looking Cayenne and Macan, if... You know, Bentley can give you an odd-looking Bentiaga and Rolls-Royce can give you a hearse called a Cullinan. <laughs> you know, mm. I'm sure Ferrari can do a much better job. Well, there you go. Mm. Uh, and that, I believe, is the end of part one. Mm. Uh, folks, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be having a bit of discussion about EV Coupe crossover comparisons, Tesla versus Volvo. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm here with my friends, Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. If you're only just joining us, we've had a bit of a chat about Proton Electric Cars, the Mercedes EQ brand finally arriving on Malaysian roads, milestones for the Mitsubishi Triton, the Kia EV6, and the Ferrari Pioro Sangi, or something like that. I do apologize, Ferrari. I am not Italian. Now, uh, we are talking, of course, about the EV Coupe crossover comparison. Tesla versus Volvo. Where are we going with this, Daniel? Okay, very simple. Um, Tesla has been selling quite well in Malaysia via private importers. That's fine. Uh, the numbers are coming up quite high. Uh, imports are increasing. The cars are either coming in from uh, Australia, from Japan, from uh, United Kingdom, your hometown. Now, these mm. cars coming in, they're nice, they're new. There is no factory warranty no factory backup no factory updates uh, of course they say it's over the air and all that but you know if you have if you have a problem with the car who do you go and see you go and see your importer well that's the issue now here comes volvo with their brand new c40 about to be launched very soon in the next few weeks you'll see it in showrooms in malaysia and the price is estimated to be uh you know below three hundred thousand ringgit uh the, you know, maybe high twos, maybe 288, 298, something like that. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, the XC40, the Volvo XC40, which is uh, a, a, cross, uh, it's a crossover, 
has been selling for 262,000. So the reason why I brought up this article is now, you've got this crossover coming, which is stylish, it's new, it's from Volvo, it's a reputable uh, you know, manufacturer with all the warranty, backup service and everything else. Hmm. Volvo in Malaysia has also promised to have a few hundred units ready to be delivered to customers when you order them. So here's my question. I met someone who said, I'm going to buy a Tesla Model Y. I said, okay, good. I said, you know, why didn't you wait for the Volvo? Oh, no, I want a Tesla. I said, yes, I know, you know, Tesla branding is great. The man, man behind it has done a lot of branding. He's, he's an icon in terms of, you know, electric cars. But why don't you wait for the Volvo? No, I want a Tesla. This is, this is where I'm a little bit confused. Why would you not look at an established manufacturer who is going into full electrification with backing from Chinese technology in terms of battery, which we all know they have the best battery systems in the world right now. Mm. And why would you buy a private imported Tesla with no backup? With almost, mm. you know, and, and it's going to cost more anyway, the Tesla, you know? Mm. So this is, this is what I, I think is, you know, I, I worry about Malaysians who do things like this, you know? You're, you're right, though. You hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, how strong his branding is. Yes. Um, and, and, and that kind of gets around this... The, <laughs> People being sensible. <laughs> you see, you see like, I'm not saying don't buy the car. Term. I'm saying yeah. if it is officially sold here, please go ahead, buy it, yeah, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. You know, because if something goes wrong, if someone hits your side view mirror, there's a spare part. Uh, you know, if you have a, a small, you know, problem with the interior, you can go and, and see the, the the dealership. But you don't mm. have a dealership here. You mm. don't have after sales. Mm. You don't have a battery uh, center here. You know, in case you have some issue with your batteries. And we have already seen, I mean, where you live in Bangsa, there's a workshop that mm. has a couple of Teslas sitting down there just collecting dust. Mm. I'll tell you how powerful it is, Daniel. When I went mm. back to the UK earlier this year, mm-hmm. I was uh, sat having lunch and a, a Tesla came by. And, you know, just for fun, I, I Googled, you know, Tesla UK pricing or whatever. I could have done that afternoon, I could have literally paid £100 there and then, and a Tesla would have been at my house that very afternoon. A hundred pounds? Yeah, you put a deposit of a hundred pounds down and they deliver it to your house that very same afternoon. What about your, your financing and everything else? That's all sorted out afterwards. It, an immediate deposit of a hundred pounds uh, to secure your Tesla to get it at your house that afternoon. That's how okay. powerful they are in the UK. Okay, so now they deliver the car to you, for example. Yeah, yeah. And your financing fails. What happens? I that I didn't research any further because I went well that's dangerous and maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm going back to KL. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see they make ownership very easy. So to that's me, the thing. yeah, when you have large amounts of money, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like when you you know when you want to buy certain brand new uh, fancy smartphones, you yeah. say no, take it home first. Yeah, you know, sign all the documents, take it home first. We'll talk about payment later. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start using it, you get used to it. Once you get used to it, you have to keep it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can see it happening with Teslas because they're so easy to live with. They're such nice cars in terms of the technology. Mm. And, you know, because they were a company that started straight away into battery technology. They didn't come from a traditional petrol manufacturing or right. diesel manufacturing. You know, they, they started ground zero. I'm going to build yeah. electric cars. They took a lot of gamble. It, it's paid off in a big time. I'm not saying don't buy the car. I'm saying buy it if it's officially sold in Malaysia, that's all. Mm. No, I, I agree with you. If I were to have to choose here in Malaysia between the two of them, I, obviously, don't get me wrong, I would want a Tesla, but mm. I, I'd rather have the safety net of having something that is officially listed. Yes, because this is still new technology. 
Mm-hmm. Even for mm-hmm. Tesla, I mean, yes, they've been around for a few years, but the technology is still evolving. The technology is still getting better. The battery management software is still evolving. The the navigation, whatever else they have, they need to have that software. So it's like it's like a very expensive smartphone that needs to be updated. But anyway, we've gone through all that in previous shows. Um, mm. I just want to say this: the Volvo C40 is coming. Think about it before you jump and buy something that has hasn't got an official dealership here. Wow, Ali, what's your thoughts on this? No, I agree with Daniel on on you know relying on especially authorized dealership and also full protection by companies. Mm. And Tesla doesn't have any any footing here. But I'm beginning to think that the owners of these cars are people who are really headstrong. They don't mind going against the grain. They don't mind owning something dangerous like that. I don't know why, but it seems like the brand, like you said, they are really encouraging you to try out their brand. So yeah. uh, it's rather brazen way to market your your brand. Um, but you are coming up against brands that have been long established, like Volvo. Mm. So you mm. may have to mm. do something a bit peculiar, you know. I mm. want to add also that you know to buy a Tesla right now uh, from a private importer is between a three hundred and five to three hundred and thirty thousand for the base model. It goes up to three hundred and eighty thousand. So let's say three hundred and thirty thousand ringgit. Looking at our exchange rate and all that price is going to go up because these private importers, they buy it from countries where our exchange rate is not favorable right now. Mm. Meanwhile, we've just announced that Mercedes-Benz has got the wonderful SUV for 388000 all electric. Mm. Okay? And you got everything you, everything you want. After sales, warranty, size, brand image, everything there. So why aren't they going and getting a Mercedes electric vehicle? Because it's not Tesla. Exactly, exactly, you know. Right, well, interesting chat then, folks. Yeah, I'm, I okay. want to ask Mr. Elon Musk to start selling chocolates. <laughs> chocolates? People would buy that as well. Exactly. He made, he made silly flamethrowers and people were buying them as yeah. well, weren't they? That man is nothing but a good marketing machine. Fantastic. Right. Let's take a short break. Uh, we're back, of course, after these messages with our used car guide. Wow, we're getting through it tonight. Mitsubishi ASX compact crossover. That's all coming up after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. BFM. The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, the third and final portion of tonight's show. If you're only just joining us, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, We spoke about Proton's electric cars at the beginning, Mercedes EQ brand finally arriving on Malaysian roads, a a milestone for the Mitsubishi Triton, the Kia EV6, the new Ferrari. Then we've had discussions about the rivalry of electric cars between Tesla and Volvo, and which should you buy if you're here in Malaysia? Finally, our used car guide, the Mitsubishi ASX Compact Crossover. Now, this car has been forgotten by many Malaysians, many. And I'll tell you why. When I ran the story on DSF, within, I think, half an hour to 45 minutes, I had a few people messaging me and said, Hey, good article. I actually never thought about this car. Hey, I never realized this car still exists. You know, because you see it on the road, but you don't notice it. Because it's, it's already... A little bland, okay? I used the word bland because this ASX was launched 12 years ago. Now, 12 years ago when it was launched, the word crossover wasn't being whispered by anybody. Nobody was looking at crossovers, okay? People had just started getting interested in SUVs, which was the biggest seller at the time, which was the Honda CRV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had the luxury brands with their SUVs. But when you talk about Japanese 
the Honda CRV was leading. Toyota didn't have a Rav4. Uh, Mitsubishi then just brought in the uh, Pajero Sport, but that was a large base on the truck chassis. But when they brought the ASX out, boom, a lot of people got interested in it. Because why? Suddenly you have this vehicle that looks like a like a hatchback car, but it's raced up. And you could buy it either as a two-wheel drive and a four-wheel drive. Ooh. So when it first came out, it was expensive, 130000 not cheap, okay? Mm. And then they had the two-wheel drive and the four-wheel drive. Now, what happened is, a few years after they brought it out, people like the Renault Captur came in, the Subaru XV, and then, of course, the CX-5 and the CX-3. Within, like, say, you know, the first three, four years, they had a lion's share of the market, okay? Mm-hmm. And then... Let's not talk about the HRV. The HRV just blew all this out of the water with its amazing sales figures, right? But still, people went to buy the ASX. I don't know why. You know, like, there's the HRV, yes. There is the Renault Captur, there is the XV. But still, people like the ASX. And it continued to sell until three years ago. Can you believe it? Wow. Hmm. Nine years. Most vehicles have a four, five, Maximum six-year lifespan, especially Japanese vehicles. But the ASX was the ultimate. Nine years, still in showrooms and still doing well. And why I know nine years? Because just before COVID, which was three years ago, a good friend of mine came to me and says, hey, my father wants to buy an ASX. I said, it's no longer on sale. He said, no, actually, he went to the showroom to look at the Mitsubishi Outlander, which is the bigger SUV. And then he realized, you know, the 70-year-old man realized he doesn't need such a big SUV. He doesn't need three rows of seats. And the salesman said, hey, I've got a good deal on an ASX. I said, is it really on sale still? It's nine years. And when I checked, yes, it's on sale. And they had a very good price on it, just under 112,000 ringgit. Wow. And fully loaded. Sunroof, all-wheel drive, leather seats, you know, infotainment system, the works. But the shape had not changed. Meanwhile, a new ASX had already come out in Japan. It was selling in Australia and Singapore. But Mitsubishi Malaysia said, no, there's too much competition. We cannot get back that same magic. You know what I mean? So they never released a brand new ASX. That is the problem. Ah. So now comes a used ASX. So I was looking through the market. Some people are still looking for second-hand crossovers and everything else. Now, the earlier mentioned models like the HRV, the Renault Captur, the Subaru XV and the Mazda, they're all still quite pricey. They're, you know, they're holding their values quite well. But the ASX, because... It's already 12 years old in terms of shape. The values have dropped. Not dropped that much, but still dropped. So if you look for an early 2011 unit, I'm saying 2011 because you know why? Uh, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, it's all about the same. They're going for about 35 to 38,000 before negotiations. And if you look okay. at the picture, it still looks pretty modern. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty decent. I mean, maybe, you know, you just... Slap on some new alloy wheels, maybe a nicer color. Now, if you go up to the 2015 model, now the 2015 model was facelifted. Not much was done on the on the interior, but more on the exterior. Just small things, you know, the grille, the bumper, the wheels, and then they put some little, you know, stickers on it and everything else. But importantly, the 2015 model also came with a little bit of improvements in, you know, uh, sound insulation, uh, suspension, ride and comfort. Now, these are going in the market today for about 55,000 ringgit. Yes, it's 20,000 ringgit more than an older 2011 unit. But with the 2011 unit, it's going to be very difficult to get a loan. If you do get a loan or so, the interest rate is going to be high and it's only going to be about 50 to maybe 70% of the value. But with a 2015 model, because it's only seven years old, 
you still get maybe 80 85 even 90% loan you know mm-hmm. and then you know over 5 years that's 60 months payment it's not that expensive and you know this car this this crossover is actually sitting on the Mitsubishi Lancer platform which is also the Proton Inspira platform so this means spare parts no issue maintenance mm. running no issue so even if you buy a 7 year old unit like we put here for like 50000 ringgit think about it you got something that's going to be easy to maintain you got something that's you know still pretty decent looking you know it's pretty modern looking when you sell it you're not going to lose that much because if you think about it after 4 years it's only going to cost 20000 less nice my suggestion is if you're looking for a crossover you're looking for something a little bit different you're looking for something that's almost evergreen in design have a look at an asx there's so many units for sale yes you will see some units that have been abused but very very few because generally it's the older generation and family people who own these vehicles you don't see people buying an asx and modding it and using it as mm. a, a go faster drift vehicle you know Mm. It, it, it's the uh, I'm going down to the shops, darling. Kind of uh, vehicle, is it? Going down to the shops. Okay, so you <laughs> go down to the shops. You use a crossover. We walk, yeah. you know, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's exactly that. You know, go down to the shops or the supermarket run. I mean, a single person could also use something like this to get to work and back because it's not that large. It's got a decent uh, maintenance record. So why not? Yeah, yeah. So prices for the 2015 model starts at about fifty five thousand, and then right. that's before negotiations. Right? Yes, negotiations. How much less can it go down to? And the other question is: there are two variants of this car: the two wheel drive and the four wheel drive. Which would you recommend? I will always say take the two wheel drive because a you're not going to go off road with a four wheel drive. You got more maintenance costs because you got you know the four wheel drive, uh, the, the the engineering to look after you know. Uh, lubricants and everything else. Plus, with a four-wheel drive, it's heavier. When it's heavier, it uses more fuel. And then people say, "Oh, you know, consumption is bad." It's just like the Subaru XV. It's a nice vehicle, but the consumption is a bit heavy because it's four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's an inefficient engine. When you're carrying additional weight and you're pushing four wheels, you have to pay a little bit more on fuel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like pickup trucks. There are two-wheel drive pickup trucks and four-wheel drive pickup trucks. The moment you get into a two-wheel drive, you notice, "Hey, this vehicle is very spirited." And then you notice your consumption is also much better because it's lighter and it's more engaging when you accelerate. But with a four-wheel drive, you got that added weight and you're pushing all four wheels. You know, so I would always say go for two-wheel drive unless you know you're going to do off-road. But come on, which ASX owner here is going to do off-road? Now, if you're living in a country where you have snow, yes, you might need it for the for the wintry months. Here, you go to the Dusun, you Balik Kampung. Even if you're staying in the worst Kampung or so. A car can go in, lah. You know. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, right. Yeah. So get a two-wheel drive. You don't need a four-wheel drive unless it's going really reasonably. But I think a two-wheel drive is good enough. Maintenance is not an issue. And then when you talk about bargaining, now, you see, when you go to a used car dealer, he already knows that everyone walking in is going to bargain. You know, whether it's it's a British gentleman like Richard or a Malay gentleman like you or an Indian guy like me, we are all going to bargain. This is the Malaysian way of doing things, lah. You know. <laughs> now. He has already put in a buffer of maybe five percent lah for bargaining. So thirty-five thousand. That means you got a buffer of three thousand five divided by two. Sorry, one thousand seven hundred and fifty to bargain. But let's be specific about this. You can push down another two thousand easily because you can pick and choose little points that you want to highlight. Oh, the paint is not perfect. The tires are worn. I need to change the tires. I see the interior. The seats all a bit worn. Depending on the condition of the car. But if you go in and see a car that 
whoa, this car looks like it just came out of the showroom, you know? Mm. Mm. The paint finish is nice. The seats are not worn. The, the knobs, the buttons all look, look fine. I started the engine. It was smooth. There's no sound. I took it for a test drive. It felt like almost a new car, which you will find in some used cars because the previous owners have looked after them. Mm. Now, if that's the case, at the most you can bargain is a thousand ringgit, maybe, you know? Mm. And you want to buy something like that because even if you get another unit which you can bargain for six, seven thousand, you might have to spend that six, seven thousand making it as good as the better unit. So, with cars like this where there's so many in the market, just don't pick one or two. Go to at least five, six, seven dealers. There are a lot of them in Klang Valley. Can use it over a weekend. It's an outing with you and your wife or girlfriend or neighbor or whoever, your friend or whatever. You know, go and visit a few dealers, talk to them, look around. And then you decide which is giving you the best deal in terms of, you know, getting a complete package. Because unless you know mechanics and paint shop people and all that, you don't want to go and buy a used car and start doing it up. You'd rather just get it all done up. You see? You got to have a game plan. You got to have a game plan and you must know a little bit of what you're doing. If, if, if you're totally uninformed, then of course... You know, bring a friend along. You can call me. You know, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend. <laughs> Daniel's there for you for your second-hand car. No, no, no. I'm talking about you, Ali. <laughs> oh, I thought you were offering this. I can't help everybody else. <laughs> Only you. Sure, sure. Thank you, thank Brilliant. you. Thank you. Thanks very much for that, Daniel. No problem. Okay, uh, folks, time for us to wrap up for today's show, of course. This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. If you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download it from wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It is available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury, and on behalf of Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan, of course, also from BFM 89.9, we wish you a good night, and we'll be back same time, same place next week here for Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.